1945, United States had created the most destructive weapon ever witnessed in the history of mankind. Today we find out how. This is Casual History. Hey, Jeffrey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jake? Good. Good to be back on the podcast and back on schedule, Jeffrey. We're we're back. Everything's fine. <laughs> back to the future. Um, yeah, we're back on schedule. Feels good. It does feel good. It does. Uh, yeah, and it's my turn this week, which and I'm excited about. you brought an about. interesting one, um, one that I have general knowledge of, but again, one of those I just don't know the nitty gritty. I feel so, like that's the. I feel like that's always how we approach this. It's how I'm always hit with all these things. It's like the things that I find interesting, and then learning the actual, real facts about those things. So yeah, uh, but yeah, this one's very, very big, and kind of a Literally. cool story, and actually ties into where we live, Jeffrey, which I thought was really cool. I didn't. Which know I, that. D- I doubt that you knew. So yeah, so I just go ahead, jump right in. Sure. Um, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and go for it. Is there? Yeah. Where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let me just explain what the Manhattan Project is. Okay. So the Manhattan Project was the code name for the American-led effort to develop a functional atomic weapon during World War II. Uh, the controversial creation and eventual use of the atomic bomb engaged some of the world's leading scientific minds, as well as the U.S. military. And most of the work was done in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Um, I do know, sorry, sorry to stop you, but I do know my one little piece of information, Einstein is involved. Oh, yes. He was involved in either, I don't know how involved he was, but I know, again, I watched some like life history on him and he talked to Roosevelt. He talked to the president. um, That's right. Somehow was involved, right? Yes. Am I right? He actually gave the warning, which I think is very ominous, mm. when someone as prestigi- prestigious as Einstein comes to you with a letter saying, uh, you need to look at this, sir. Um, I think that should set alarm bells for anybody. But he uh, was doing it more as a protective, from what I, again, from what I remember, he was doing it as a, you need to do this because if someone else has it first, we're oh, exactly. in trouble. Exactly. Exactly. The Manhattan Project was started in response to fears and rumors that German scientists have been working on a weapon using nuclear technology since 1930s. And they had started researching how to turn this into a bomb and that Adolf Hitler was prepared to use it. So enough motivation right there. Uh, That's the rumors that have been going around. Wow. So that's what the Manhattan Project in a nutshell is. Uh, Yeah, which I think is... And it leads to a very interesting and huge story on all this actually um but yeah let's just start from the beginning then uh the idea for nuclear weapons was actually conceived during a walk on the streets of london uh on september 12th 1933 hungarian physicist leo salzard uh had just stepped off the sidewalk when he suddenly thought of the possibility of a nuclear chain reaction as a way to simultaneously release and harness the energy contained in atoms. So, you know, your casual sidewalk thoughts. Whenever I, I step off a bus. It's <laughs> just about to make the same joke. Yeah, no, I, I know. I read that uh, this morning and I was like, what? That doesn't make I have any thoughts. sense. I have some, you know, Are those the thoughts shower on thoughts, ideas. You know? Yeah, you have shower <laughs> thoughts. But how to split an atom and make a, a bomb chain reaction is above my... Uh, my shower thoughts, I think. Yeah, you know, it's just just casual talk, casual thoughts, you know, you have sent randomly when you're just walking down the street. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's why I'm not a great scientific mind. But uh, a few years later, Austrian scientist Lise Mittner and her physicist nephew Otto Fisk realized an atom of uranium bombarded with neutrons would stretch until it divided itself into two pieces. Mm. Uh, uh, yes, of course. Yes, of course, right? <laughs> Frisch named this phenomenon nuclear fission. Yep. Uh, scientists deduced that the chain reaction that then would be created would emit an enormous amount of energy. Uh, Salazar's idea was viable. Can I tell you, 
some education that high school didn't bring me, but yes, please. games brought me before high school. <laughs> is, is it fission? <laughs> yeah, nuclear fission. Or <laughs> yeah, is that game? the right pronunciation? Maybe not. But nuclear it was fission, civilization. Yes. Civilization. Oh, that's right. One of the first introductions to how, again, this is going to sound funny, but how nuclear bombs worked even like because you know you had to build up your civilization right to a certain technology point and then you'd be able to have nuclear subs a part of this game right but it's a funny (laughs) reference but that's one of the first things that taught me about what that was before uh you know i read about it in a, a history book so see that's the thing i knew i read about nuclear fission and uh fusion and the difference between them in high school so I did know I had read them, but yeah. again, with no context, like, I mean, there was context, but I don't remember the context. Yeah. Um, so it's funny you say that because yeah, me too. That's the first thing that comes to my mind is like when you're researching the Manhattan Project and civilization, yeah, uh, that it's, basically it's ends exactly. everything, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> which should explain how serious this is in real life. So <laughs> yeah, that was the end of the game. That was the peak yeah, point. That, so like if you uh-huh. reached that point. You won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you I won, think it was the so. first time. I mean, um, I think even the the documentary I watched on this acknowledged that this was the first time that humans had built something that could literally cause the end of all humans. Like this was the first time they stepped across that line into building something that big and that destructive. So it's a very big deal. Which again, we can get into the, the I guess, the feelings on that kind of response, but like when when you come across two options one being this is happening with or without you and mm-hmm. you're either going to join the dark like the, join the research again for protection's sake is what they again supposedly brought it up for but like you're still doing the act of creating something that does not need to happen it's definitely was pandora's box i mean like once you open that up and that technology is now open for the world to research and find out, like, now it's it's like game over for all that stuff. It's a Pandora's box. You can't put it back in. Yeah, like, now it's just yeah, posturing, right? Like, the, the, the potential use is now a deterrent. Like, that's how they try to push, which it is, but Jesus. Yeah. Like, if that, the fact that, that, explains, that is the deterrent rather than just we don't want to... Sure. And harm I was, that many people. <laughs> of course, I was, like, uh, coupled with these stories... There was like a multiple about like in 1995, I think, was uh, another scare that we had with the Russians where a false alarm on their radar came up and they I were close to uh, firing nukes back because again, they had the keys in, have, the, in the in the um, the system. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I don't know if they were told to fire or if they were and he just neglected the order. Oh, wait, yes, yes, yes. There was a story about he that. Was there told was a to guy. Yeah. And he refused. Yes, and he refused and ended up saving basically the world because you know if we got something shot at us, it would have it wouldn't have matter if it was a misunderstanding. Um, do you, you know, know that man's name? I don't know that guy's name, but I do know. I it don't. Was a, uh, a, a guy who let me. I'll try to research it as we continue but that's, on. But that's the world's stance is basically uh, you know uh, mutually assured destruction. You know, so like yeah, like shooting off your nukes before they even hit you. That's how dangerous these weapons are. That should tell yeah. you how serious these things we have made. Humans, mankind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously the idea being is there's rumors about the Nazis starting research into this area, right? And I can't even imagine what would have happened if Hitler had got his hands on nukes. Well, I mean, I can't imagine what would happen, but... I mean, that's that's the goal here, right? Is to beat him to the punch. Right. So, as advances in atomic research were made, concerns over Nazi Germany's program attempting to use the new energy source to develop a massively destructive weapon grew. Although these suspicions were not confirmed, Adolf Hitler had control over the uranium mines in Czechoslovakia, uh, had purchased uranium abroad and had one of the most foremost atomic scientists, Dr. K. Callis, uh, I think, working for him. Hmm. So it seemed very likely that the Nazi that Nazi Germany could be developing nuclear weapons. So oh. it was very likely from these rumors. It it was enough to make everybody skittish. 
Yeah. Um, which I'm not going to try to go down this rabbit hole, but from what I remember also from different documentaries were that they were researching all kinds of things from, they from were. religious power myths that they were chasing from air uh, cannons. Yeah. All some kinds of, of like just really crazy scientific, honestly, really out of the box thinking weapons, um, which has always interested me whenever I did see documentaries on that stuff. Cause I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff still secret, um, that they worked on, but yeah, like hearing some of the like really like futuristic otherworldly, like scientific weapons they were trying to develop at the time. Yeah. It's pretty and amazing. There, I, I'm not going to lie. Some of that information, um, leads back to ancient aliens <laughs> TV show. Oh yes. Yes. There is lots of, <laughs> there are lots of theories connecting to, you know, yeah. that they, you know, caught the first alien ship and right. were like, you know, <laughs> maybe they did. Maybe they pulling did, it man. apart and making their own shit. Maybe um, they did, but yeah. So, wanting to warn other leaders, Leo Salazar and Eugene Wigner, another Hungarian uh, physicist, visited Albert Einstein for advice. They informed Einstein that his famous E equals MC equation, which theorizes that a small mass could unleash immense energy, was probably being used by Nazi Germany to create nuclear weapons. Uh, after some discussion, the three scientists agreed that the U.S. government should be notified. Uh, so, on August 2nd, in 1939, Einstein, <laughs> Einstein, Einstein signed a letter. Einstein. Ad- yeah, I know, I know. Addressed to U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, warning him about the military applications of the new source of energy and the potential of a nuclear weapon project in Nazi Germany. Hmm. Um. Yes. And Powerful stuff. A, you, you hear the fire truck? <laughs> you probably can't, but I can hear it through here. Uh, <laughs> so, Roosevelt replied in October, saying he had appointed a committee to carry out an investigation into the matter. Um, and scientists in the United States had also been conducting atomic research, but their progress had been slow. So, we were already sort of working on this already by the time we were hearing these rumors, but it definitely kicked our ass more, in high gear. Uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. I'm about to th- just throw some more um, vague uh, references to the pile. But okay. But from even from my limited understanding of this time as well, we didn't get some, we didn't get big tech, like tech advancement until we stole and Bart and like took uh, a lot of scientists from Germany and physicists, uh, some of the greatest minds that we brought into the United States as asylum. So okay. we were yes. getting our ass handed to us in that department for a long time, from what I understand and from th- the things I've read. Um, so that that, that makes okay. sense to me that we but were let me, way behind. But let me put that into context, because you're right in a sense, but I think you framed it a certain way. Okay. Like, <laughs> before this time, apparently, um, the top, like, uh, metals went to German physicists and scientists at this time. They dominated that area. And obviously, with the Nazis, you're right. They pushed a lot of uh, Jews and people out, right, in great minds out of Germany, and we took them in as asylum. And yes, you are correct. But I'm but saying, again, even, like, I think even, I don't know if it was after Stole is a strong word. You know what stole, I mean? Like, well, stole me. Yeah, they stole left is a strong because word. they were being prosecuted. Yeah. No, I don't just mean that section. I'm saying, uh, I think it was, there was a story about after the war, like when it ended, okay. um, that we supposedly rounded up. Again, this is the words that I remember being used, rounded up and basically offered um, German, Germ- like German Nazi scientists, like physicists and the like, jobs essentially to work on projects that we had and basically brought those minds over again i can't remember i'm going to speak out of my ass if i I try to get more detail (laughs) that i don't know please don't (laughs) yeah i won't i won't i won't but that's i'm just kidding but that's what i again so it just doesn't surprise me that we were probably a little bit behind some of the greatest minds at the time that weren't in the u.s at least from my understanding at the time yeah we definitely had a lot of uh, mix of everybody in here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So by the end of the summer of 1942, the top secret Manhattan project named for the location of the engineer district was formally underway uh, under the direction of Colonel Leslie Groves from the army Corps of engineers. 
the project attracted the era's brightest physicists, some of them having fled continental Europe. Uh, several scientists provided their contribution from outside these three primary cities, including those in Washington, D.C., Detroit, Berkeley, California, Montreal, Canada, and London, England. Uh, their mission? To develop and build an atomic bomb before the Germans. You talk about, like, you know, <laughs> uh, a mission for all missions. That's pretty, it's pretty heavy shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's, duty. that's kind of the lead up to all the stuff I'm about to tell you, because this is where it starts to get interesting in the nitty gritty of details that I had no clue. Well, I'm about. all in, Jacob. You got me. Let's go. Yeah. So, uh, so nuclear weapons research began before U.S. involvement in World War II, but the Manhattan Project was different from the, pro- the research projects it, that preceded it. Um, earlier research had been theoretical. The goal of the Manhattan Project was to build a bomb that could be used in the war. The project didn't truly get started until the fall of 1941, when engineer Valenvar Bush, who spearheaded nuclear research as the head of the U.S. government-backed Uranium Committee, convinced Roosevelt that the atomic bomb was possible and that it could be completed within a year. So wow. he promised them in a year they would have an atomic bomb to use against, you know, in war. Uh, That's some heavy, uh, heavy guessing there. That's definitely uh, a hedging bet for something that's been all theoretical and never been put into practical use. Um, (laughs) Buildings don't get, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm just thinking of all the things that can't be built in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Skyscrapers Um, can, I think now. Yes, they can. So I don't know, but there's a lot, Jacob. (laughs) I, I, I I can. You're talking about building a bomb from, uh, like a book basically, and then making it work perfectly and then being able to use that yeah. safely. No, That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. unknown technology. Uh, I know. You know what the point I was trying to say. <laughs> okay, so within the year, General Leslie R. Groves from the U.S. Navy Corps of Engineers was appointed to the project's director. Uh, that appointment was a game changer. Um, he was personally responsible for making sure that the project was the number one priority during the war. It got all of the funding, all of the resources, and he was relentless. Hmm. Um, if he hadn't been in charge, it probably wouldn't have gotten done. Um, wow. That's some yes, big accolades. The Manhattan Project enlisted the help of thousands of scientists across the country. Uh, Enrico Fermi and Leo Salazar, physicists at the University of Chicago, were particularly important in the effort. Uh, Fermi was unusually talented in both theory and practice of physics. And it says, uh, the person that they're interviewing says that's unusual even for now. Hmm. Um, these scientists all worked under J Robert Oppenheimer now known as the father of the atomic bomb. Do you know that name? I do. Yeah. Yes. From general history of that, that nickname. That's right. It's a, it's a big name. Uh, and he was the Manhattan project scientific director and leader of the last uh, Los Atmos National Laboratory in New Mexico. Mm. Uh, a lot of people had issues with Oppenheimer um, a, as far as they viewed his temperament. Apparently, he was a very guy on the edge, um, very emotional, and a lot of people, like I think there was a quote saying that he couldn't even run a concession stand, let alone something so stressful as this project. Like he was um, anxiety-ridden or he just was a, like an asshole? I think I think he was just uh, emotional and like stress really got to him. He was one of those guys. Yeah, uh, he was temperamental. You're operating at a high stress and in, in in a high stress environment, and then you're also you're operating inside your brain. Like those people who are so intellectually in tune with the mm-hmm. work. Again, it, like you're. I feel like <laughs> it already takes Kinda a lot of probably out. mental fortitude to be, you know doing the work itself, let alone trying to manage like other people doing the work. So I don't, that's no easy job. People, people had doubts though. You know what I mean? Like, but it turns out he was perfect for this job. Mm. Um, one of the first steps of the project was to produce a chain reaction, a cascade of splitting atoms that can release enough energy to trigger an explosion. So not long after the Manhattan project began, Enrico Fermi and Leo Salazar became the first scientists in the world to achieve that goal. And apparently they did it like underneath the bleachers of a football stadium, a college football stadium. They proved it in a very small uh, laboratory. Um, 
in like the very small practice. I was about to ask or about to just comment. How do you test? Like, how do you test? Again, you have books in theory that they're working off of that it could work in theory. How do you test a small fraction of it? Do you do do one at a time? Like, how do you like, I don't even know how you split an atom. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest. I don't know how they did it. I know that they did it in very small quantities. And from what I learned, um, yeah, like it wasn't the chain reaction, but they learned that it could happen. Yeah. And so obviously it wasn't like they were like, let's set off the bomb right here. You know, it yeah. was it was a small test that showed that the energy was released, therefore confirming what they all believed could be possible. Yeah. That this thing could happen, that it could be a reality. See, in my mind, this is, again, just me sounding dumb, but I'm going to throw my dumb nature out there for everyone to hear. <laughs> Go for it. Like, how do you even, like... <laughs> How do you test a bomb without making the bomb and then seeing if it explodes, right? So how do you work up to testing a nuclear bomb? It just seems okay. like a that that roadmap seems <laughs> Well, I difficult. figured you'd ask this question, Jeffrey. Did you? Because I researched how the basics of a nuclear bomb work. Because it's not just like explosive like in a barrel, light it on fire, that's it. That's yeah. not how a nuclear bomb works. Right. So literally they create a gun inside the bomb itself. So they they put two like balls of those chemicals and separate sides of like a tube, uh-huh. right? And then they use one with explosive powder on one side to shoot a velocity of that into and smash it into the other ball of uranium. Okay. Inside the casing. Yeah. So that's what's happening before it to happen. Now it has to hit at the right speed. You know what I mean? Like there's lots of factors involved, but basically they create a gun inside the bomb itself. And so, so it's the two, it's the reaction that makes the... Exactly. And it's the them quantities. smashing together. If they, if they smash enough of them together, all the atoms splitting in a chain reaction throughout the entire chemical is what creates the energy that it released. It's Noted. not a typical kind of bomb. Thanks for putting so that out in I'm sure you terms. can. No, no, no. I, I was interested in myself and they explained it uh, in the documentary. And I was like, oh, this is really good to know because I have no yeah, clue. This is good to know. You're telling me they're just throwing around <laughs> how a nuclear bomb works out on the Internet. I mean, it's the basics of it. It doesn't tell you how to keep it stable inside a metal casing and how yeah. what the exact velocity that you need or the, here's the mat- all the materials like they don't tell you that. Stuff. I know, but that's still pretty wild to me. <laughs> it is pretty wild that we know this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they apparently tested it in like. A scientific way, of course, scientific way. You know what I mean? Like in a very small... Semi-safe way. Semi-safe way <laughs> that showed that the chain reaction could be possible. It wasn't the actual chain reaction itself. This gets me on another thought that I won't go down, but it gets me on the thought of... Uh, I'm, I think it's probably pretty... I'm a free education, free information type person, yeah. free knowledge person, but... Oh, God, we're going to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> but there's hole. a ca- caveat, caveat, however you want to say that word. Yeah, let's not give people knowledge on how to make these things. There's got to be let's some please. information that probably should be regulated, so I'm kind of happy that that's regulated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the basics on how it worked were shown, right? They said they obviously don't know everything, but right. they do know the basic mechanics that they used back then. Again, we probably figured out better ways we figured out we definitely figured out better ways to enrich uranium and how to separate those things than they did back you know in the 1940s well the straight so, moral uh, weight that comes to that man the father of the atomic bomb uh yes like that uh moral weight like once it's done once it's oh it's already made yep you have changed the world forever yeah. You like, as a human, as my, mankind, have put us under the gun. From then on, Pandora's box is open. You have unleashed it. But would you rather somebody else unleash it? Would you rather that, Hitler be the first one to have yeah. these things in hand to make those moral decisions? I don't know. That's the that's the caveat, right? But again, it, it's all morally gray. What the, the no thought? What. I struggle with the if we didn't do it, they would have done it idea and in this case again it's not a theoretical i think there was evidence right that pushes 
like that that was happening. So I'm not I saying think they later found out that we weren't um they later found out that these rumors were fake. Don't tell me were that. were pushed harder than what they knew. So basically they were racing against themselves. Um but these rumors were real. <laughs> they started on these real rumors that this could be a possibility. For the time frame. But they found out very quickly that they had overlapped them by like so much that it was past that point now. It was more about stopping the war than racing the Germans. Yeah. So there is a point where we get to in that. Sorry to be spoiler. No, yes. no, that's good to know. Um, But yeah, so yeah, I'm about to get into... Um, some more really cool things, uh, the secret cities, which, you know, were built here in the United States, um, to be able to test and literally figure out how the fuck they were going to put together this bomb safely. <laughs> um, that's where we get American our first soil. images, right? One of the few, not the few images, but before they shut down testing, um, uh, but like those videos, do you remember those uh, those kind of classic mushroom cloud videos that they show? Yeah, those are. It? But this is before that, obviously. But yes, I thought uh, I it, thought it was I, I thought it was around because um, again it showed. Maybe I'm thinking of a movie. Never mind. Maybe I I will me. definitely tell you. Um, I'll definitely tell you when those tests happened because I do have that information when the first test ever of this thing happened. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so before so, let me let me let me stop you real quick. Yes. Do you want to take a break and then we'll get back into the nitty-gritty? Sure, let's do it. This is when it's getting juicy, so guys stick around. And we are back. All right, Jeffrey. Uh wasn't that a great ad if there was one? Wasn't that beautiful? Wonderful. Show stopping. Riveting. It's, it's amazing. Anyways, we Incredible. were getting right into the cool stuff of this story. You ready for the secret cities, Jeff? I'm ready. I'm interested the way you phrased that. Yes. So, <laughs> to build a bomb, scientists needed large amounts of unstable radioactive uranium and plutonium. Uranium was easier to obtain than plutonium, but scientists thought that plutonium might provide a quicker route to developing the bomb. They decided to try both and built nuclear reactors for each element. Um... It took tens of thousands of people to build and operate these facilities. Scientists, custodial staff, secretaries, administrative workers. And by the end of the war, over 500,000 people had worked on the project. That created a challenge. How do you employ tens of thousands of people for an operation, all while managing to keep that operation a secret? The answer was secret cities. So... Wait, what? In 1943, yes. Because there were 500,000 people that worked on this project and you had to keep it a secret. This is definitely something that's happening now. Like there's military bases with UFOs on it that there's just too many people working there that they have to create a whole city within a mountain. <laughs> Dude, they are legit. That is basically what this is. They build a city overnight. I mean like before they have blueprints to even build these plants... They're already pouring foundation. Mm. Like the blueprints aren't done and they're pouring foundation. That's how fast these buildings and housing units went up. Wow. Um, yes. Yeah, so do we know where? Th yes, we do. We know the three major ones. Um, so in 1943, three ordinary looking U.S. cities were constructed at record speed, but all left off the maps. I figured you'd appreciate that. This is very cool shit. I did not know, but it had to happen. I'm I mean, a little like, satellite searching now. Yeah, so the three secret cities of the project were Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So right here in our backyard. Yep. Uh, along with Los Alamos in New Mexico and then Hanford or slash Richford in Washington State. So those were the three areas where the main stuff was going on. Why? So in you Tennessee? can Google uh they were they found a ridge. They were able to build a city. There were farmers on this ridge that basically had been building their their entire lives, all all generations, you know. Um, they had farmed this land for as long as they can remember. But the government literally came in and was like, hey, we need this for the war effort. You need to be off your land in a week. And they left. And so they acquired but what, I, thousands of acres. But what's valuable? Like, what are they 
what are they working on in Tennessee? Is it still? I'm I'm about to go Google diving. The after facility this. still is there, Jeffrey. The facility still exists. It is now known for what it is now, but it isn't uh, doing you know the research and stuff that they were doing or. You know, manufacturing whatever they were, yeah, making, uranium, yeah, yeah. yes. We're, I don't think that's happening anymore in this facility, but it's still up. Some of the original buildings are still standing in that area. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I'm going to get into that, but yeah, we're talking about the largest building ever made was built between Tennessee ridges and came up overnight. It was lit- quite literally the largest building ever built at the time, ever. And why they chose Tennessee was there was a bunch of rural land out here in between two ridges that kind of kept it like in case something went wrong, those ridges would protect other people as well as keep prying eyes from looking in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was the main reason why they chose the location. But yeah, they literally handed farmers a notice that have had this land in there, you know, for generations. Just like uh, this is for the war effort now. Um, we own this land. Wow. And kicked off everybody. Can we post photos of, uh, these secret cities? The site? Yeah. Yeah. They have, um, yeah, I was even in the documentary. They were showing a guy walking outside the gates. They talked to a security guard up front. Like, wow. it's, it's, it's a very known thing now. And then in fact, they have tore down, uh, they built several here in Tennessee. They built a main one. And then they needed to expand, and so they built a little bit farther up in another ridge close to that old facility that I think they all tore down, though. Wow. Um, but you can still go. They burned I the saw books. a dude. Yeah. Well, I saw a dude walk through, and they found, like, remnants of, like, you know, uh, electrical towers just falling in the forest, in a random forest now. It's all outgrown it. Um, random, random, like, pipes for sewage, things like that. They still exist in this area. That's wild to me. Um, yeah, it's, it was wild to me. Um, so more than 125,000 scientists, technicians, and support staff occupied the three cities by the end of the war. Um, there is a photo of Santa Claus being frisked at the gates of Oak Ridge and a local newsletter stamped restricted. Um, so that happened. So the gate wasn't like completely unknown. Um, anyone aged 12 or over had to wear an ID badge and the use of words such as atomic or uranium was taboo lest it tip off the enemy. Right. So they were basically told to keep it hush hush. Um, Imagine the spies that tried to infiltrate. Yeah. We later found out there was, I don't know oh a bunch of information gosh, about that. This is but just getting defer- deeper and deeper. It's, it's <laughs> wild, dude. Uh, it's wild. Um, But yeah, so it was quoted saying this. At first glance, they seem very normal American communities. But then before long, you start to see things that are strange in a variety of ways, sometimes humorous. So they're talking like in this city, this made up city that they built, um, there's like, there's all the amenities. They, the U.S. government believed they didn't want it to be like an encampment for these people because these people are going to be living here until it was done. So they needed to build like a grocery store, um, a relaxing place, a lounge. And some of the like bars had like weird names, like, like atomic bar or stuff that tipped but off it, to like, but it was, <laughs> but it was taboo. I thought they just said that using the word atomic or uranium was taboo. It was, but there were some weird names in this city and not everybody was freely open to go see it, obviously. Um, huh. but yeah, so, uh, and it gets, it gets crazier at some of these stories, but, um, yeah, in Tennessee, right. I already told you about the farmers. Uh, soon thousands of young workers arrived from far and wide, initially, uh, occupying tents and other makeshift shelters within the newly designated military reservations. Um, shielded, shielded from public view by natural barriers and security fences. The workers quickly erected hundreds of buildings ranging from prefabricated houses to industrial structures of unprecedented scale. Can I stop you real quick? Yes, of course. This brings up a thought. Okay. okay. Because living here in Tennessee, I have yes. a friend of a friend of a friend uh-huh. whose father, you know this story, works I in do? tunnels here in Tennessee. Oh, 
Do you know what okay. I'm talking about? I think I might. I might. So that brings up the thought of, you know, these facilities that used to be here. Mm-hmm. Maybe just moved underground. I'm not sure. But you I'm know what I'm talking about. Don't, I'm sorry to do this on a podcast, but there's a friend I, of a friend of a friend <laughs> of a friend of a friend's father who mentions a bunch of underground yeah. things, projects around here. Right? Yeah. And it's hush hush. Yeah. Well, we probably shouldn't be saying it on a podcast. I won't, then. but that's interesting to me. So <laughs> it is um, interesting. I can mm. cut this if we don't want to keep this. So that's <laughs> yeah, okay. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I have no idea, Jeffrey. I have no idea. Cause my thought was when I first heard this down the long, long grapevine, my immediate thought was why here? And then land. you say this and I'm going, wait a minute. <laughs> it's land. Apparently the perfect place. It was just like, you know, and like I'm always little people around. Yeah. I'm always going through Nashville and driving around and I'm thinking, where does everyone get their money? Like there's, there's too many, <laughs> too many rich people houses and not enough jobs <laughs> like, like <laughs> you think it's this now well i mean this was in not, the 40s not just Jeffrey. this but it, like if, if a government sets up an operation i doubt that uh-huh. maybe it is just thrown away in the night once the thing is done but we could literally go visit it jeffrey we could literally drive to it i'm um, down it's actually. probably like an hour and a half away from us i would love to do that actually yeah just to go to the gates like it is still a working no, facility we go, into, we go into it jake but we go in. We sneak in. We go inside. Okay. Now this just just implicates us on a whole bunch of shit right now. I'm gonna wear an ID badge that says Atomic <laughs> Reactor wow. Specialist. I don't think they're doing that anymore, Jeffrey. I think I explained. Jacob, this. I think that the, I think if you give them a wink and a nod, they're gonna go. Oh, he oh, knows. Yeah, come and right like, in, yeah, sir. Come <laughs> on, sir. <laughs> sure. I can pretend to be Austrian or some other, you know. <laughs> have sure, an accent and I think it'll I think it'll work so I'm sure that doesn't tip them off at all I'm sure they would t- be totally fine with you coming <laughs> in. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they give like some sort of tour because again I don't think it's an active facility that, Jacob, I'm not sure that is part of the facade I Come, know let's have but, tours meanwhile yeah. it's like a mile underground and to the left instead of to the right where they're showing you uh, just, okay but would you still take that tour because I would yeah I'd still take the tour I would still, I would still like if I was let in the gates, I'd still go. What a momentous place! You say the, the word "secret right city" here. and tour, I'm in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so I'm derailing I you. I, I know I am. No, it's okay. No, this is all like good stuff. Uh, this is kind of what I wanted to deep dive into because I knew you'd be interested. The fact that it was right here, I was mind blown. Yeah. That it was right here, like literally in our backyard. Yeah, we're going. Um, so, yes. So, okay. So, the goal was singular. Aware that the Nazis were pursuing nuclear weapons, though they were not as far along as they as we thought at the time. See, that's the caveat. The U.S. would invest unfathomable money in manpower to get there first. Uh, the cause could scarcely have been more urgent. Despite that, in the buildings, these communities. It was considered important to create housing and environments that were comfortable for the people who were, who would be working for the scientists and engineers uh, doing this important work. Um, there was an argument that they needed to feel at home. They needed to have a community that felt normal, in quotations. Uh, and so during this time of national emergency, the U.S. government built single-family houses in what would now be considered typical suburban neighborhoods. Instead of just jamming all these people in dormitories and barracks, as I would think most any other country in the world would have done at the time. Mm. Uh, Built from scratch in half a year to produce fuel for atomic bombs, Oak Ridge was initially conceived as a town for 13,000 people, but grew to 75,000 by the end of the war, the biggest of the cities. That's no small Um, small feat and no small amount of people. It is not. Um... There was, okay, now I'm going to tell you a story that blows my mind even more. So these reactors in these rooms, basically um, the blueprints that we can piece together from the information that we know, um, how they did it was there was these C-shaped magnets, like these insanely strong magnets. Um, And basically we'd pump the gas through it. And obviously the lighter stuff would pull to the magnet and the heavier stuff would not, therefore separating the uranium, the highly enriched uranium that we needed. Yeah. 
Uh, it wasn't crazy efficient, but it was the only way we knew how at the time. I think there was that and a gas meth- method where we ran like heated gas through it, where it heated up and separated, but it had to do it like thousands of times yeah. to get to the right consistency. Huh. Um, but yeah, so there was like just, the, they created the world's largest building. Um, I wish I had the stats for it because it was yeah. jaw dropping. Like I've never heard of anything so big. And it was just rows of these machines. And they were like, you can't have... The, these these magnets supposedly were so powerful they'd pull nails out of the walls of the building itself. Jake, when you when we think about this out loud, okay, uh-huh. I I can't help this. <laughs> I can't help this uh-huh. thought. And you know me, so don't please no like uh, just entertain me for a minute. Of course, the closest thing we have to magic is magnets. It is yeah. the the like in my mind. The first time you see a magnet, you think something otherworldly is happening. And then we just sure. grow up and it's just normal. And seeing two things without you being, you could move your hand through it. Like It's science, Jeffrey. But it's a no, magnetic yeah, it's science, science, science <laughs> here, okay? I'm talking <laughs> pure, just visual, visual here. Like, there's a lot of science that is. Mm. That is magic, right? Like, how does a cell phone receive a Bluetooth signal or an internet signal, right? To me, that's magic. But right. magnets, man, they're like OG because they're they're made by the Earth. You know, like there's magnetic rocks. You know, like, they're na- like yeah, they're naturally happening. But yeah. yeah, so this is just about being in awe of magnets because well, I'm just, with you. Just, I'm with you just, on we this. Ta- man. We talk about we talk about these things sometimes so <laughs> like lightly. So normal. Yeah, like they're so normal. Yeah. When I when I think about it, and I remember when I first got handed magnets. I don't know if you remember your first magnet, Jacob, but I remember. <laughs> I don't know my, if I remember. <laughs> I remember my first magnet. You were a special kid, Jeffrey. You were a special kid. Dude, because I thought I was going to make something, which I still have inventions, right? But I, I thought yeah, man. they were the few, I thought that was the answer, which I still think they are. Obviously, they're used yeah. in a lot of different ways now, but just but oh, yeah. damn, you know, magnets, man. Just <laughs> Yeah. So they literally had like red tape lines around places and they were like, uh, yeah, don't wear a belt buckle. Don't bring in any metal. Don't have fillings because you will literally be jammed up against these machines because that's how strong these magnets were. And they used silver because that was the only thing they had that was conductive at the time. Think about that. Think about that. I know, dude. And so they had a room full of these machines. But guess what? The story is even crazier. So they had this thing that they commissioned high school, high schoolers, high school girls in particular to run certain parts of the machine. Now, the people that worked at this facility, 99% of them had no idea what other people's jobs were, what they were doing for the war effort. Yeah. All they know is like they were making a difference and that's what they were being told. And so imagine being a high school girl. It's a stretch, Jeffrey. It's a stretch. <laughs> I'm and, still not over the the line, do you remember your first magnet? Because I just know that that's going to get me laid. You know, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, is that it? Is that it? Like, that's going to get you that's laid? That's how you know what kind of mm. child I was. Hey, man. Hey, man. It, it was fun. I get it. Yeah. I just don't remember my first one. I know. <laughs> God, okay. Sorry, you remember those continue. little metallic fake rocks that they would stick together? Yeah, that's exactly. So imagine yeah. I'm a high school girl working in Oak okay. Ridge, Tennessee, for the war yes. effort, um, and I don't know what I'm creating. Okay, I'm right. in that scenario. So your job, your job was to set a machine where there is a dial, right? Like a little flip dial. That was like, say it went from like 1 to like 10. And you had to keep it on a certain number. And there were two dials. So you had to turn each dial to make sure it stayed within that number. That was your entire job for your shift. That's what they were doing. They were keeping the magnets at the right polarity mm-hmm. the entire time. They didn't know what they were doing, but they commissioned like 18, 17 year old high school girls to do this job. And they did it apparently great. I think is some of the a, scientists, is there a reason why they chose like it was a specific gender? Like they had to, I don't know. Maybe it was the time, but I also think cheap labor and they, they were just wanting to help. Yeah. And this was a job they could give them. Oh, what am I? I'm uh, sorry. I'm kind of dumb back then. I forget that. The yeah, majority it was a different of, world. It, with the majority of the yeah, we're off at war. Yeah, sorry. Well, even even uh, even some of the scientists raised some concerns about this. Like, uh, this is a very important thing to be handing 
to high schoolers. And if there if they, people are dying, like let them do the job. You know, well, like they made a bet. They made a bet amongst themselves, and they were like, "Okay, we'll let you scientists run these machines for a week, and we'll let the high schoolers run it for the next week, and we'll see who is more accurate." Well, apparently, the high schoolers blew them out of the water, and so they shut up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, I just can't imagine like you being a part of that, and you don't know what you're doing. But by you twisting these two knobs and keeping it like on the number five the entire time, you are creating enriched uranium for a nuclear weapon that could destroy cities. Like that in itself, you're implicating when you think about someone. Big picture, I mean, you're implicating again. Not that it was used in World War II, but if it was, you're implicating everyone a part of that process to the end result, which is kind of again. You're keeping people in the dark about it also. Sure, but they were apparently willing participants that they were they were you're told not willing, under vague you're circumstances. You're not willingly participating in creating a, a bomb that could wipe out. Th- they knew they were helping the war effort in some way. That's how, yeah, they, but that's, I mean. Kinda, I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's up for your interpretation. I know, sorry. <laughs> um, but despite how challenging it was to keep the project a secret, the existence of the atomic bomb still came as a surprise to nearly everyone in the world, including those who had worked on it. You see? You see what I, you see what I mean? Well, no one knew each other's jobs. It was known that that was a thing you did not do. You did not talk about somebody else's job, what you did there. Right. Never so, happened. So let me put a scenario, a moral scenario then for you, Jacob. Imagine you're going to work every day. You're cooking food. <laughs> and you're cooking food yeah. for the people that are doing something yep. horrendous. Right. Yep. But you're not told that. You're just told you're doing something for the greater good. Right. I'm morally uh, putting you in that situation through your ignorance. Right. Would you yeah. not feel slighted? I would. Okay. I would. So my but, if if this would have resulted, I mean, it resulted in the thing being made. So that's in itself yes. uh, a moral Whether thing they you, have to weigh. Right. But. If it was ended up being used in that wartime effort in that you know World War Two, and you figure you found out that way, would you not be upset? <laughs> or would yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, sure. I'm sure some people had some feelings for yeah. how devastating it was, but also uh, the idea of patriotism and uh, joining for people's country is a different idea back then. It was a lot stronger pull. Yeah, a little bit uh, more national than I think it is today. Yes. Yeah, I so get that. It was I just whatever I can do to help, and it, they know they knew that joining that that war means that people could die. I'm sure they didn't know the extent of what they were making. Yeah, but for sure, I'm sure that people had feelings. Absolutely. But if if How they if not? they hired people that were under 18, especially, I'm like, yeah. If they if they got people to sign, I don't know. Again, that what's done is done, but still, that's right. pretty interesting. Interesting, yeah. uh, uh, I guess, path to kind of think about. So. Okay, so, sorry, just jumping right along because there's yeah, so no, much keep information. Jumping along. I know uh, tell me to stop. We so. are like rolling in this. I don't know how long this podcast is so far, but <laughs> we're about fifty minutes. Um, in. Okay, so, um, so I also included an explanation on how they got a. Uh, what is this? Oh no! This was just me uh, putting down how a a bomb works, like what I told yeah, you what we about already the gun shooting. Yes. Okay. Um, so using the bomb, this is where we're at now. By July sixteenth, nineteen forty-five, the first atomic bomb called Gadget was ready. About one hundred fifty miles outside of Los Alamos, in the remote uh, remote Jordania El Moreto Desert. Sorry, I hope that pronounced that right. Um, researchers conducted the Trinity test. The first atomic explosion. As he witnessed the first detonation of the nuclear weapon on July 16th, a piece of Hindu scripture ran through the mind of Robert Oppenheimer, and he is quoted to have said this, Now I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. As he watched. That now, that, that doesn't that give you chills. Real. Is that real? Did he really that is say real. that? That is real. As he, he set himself up for villain. He set himself up for <laughs> movie characters for years to come yes um it says it is perhaps the most well-known line uh from the god i don't want to mess this up uh the bad gita yeah okay but it is also the most misunderstood quote um so here's another quote he says 
We knew the world would not be the same. This is from Oppenheimer. He later recalled, a few people laughed, a few people cried, and most people were silent. So if that tells you how that test went. Yep. Um, yeah. I can only imagine what it would have been like never seeing that kind of power witnessed in front of you. Um, Dude, I... Yeah. Just world-ending power. How could you not feel Seeing it so through small? video is enough to make you go, what the blank... But being there in person for the first time, I can't imagine that kind of uh, exact feeling. Uh, scientists took bets on how much energy that it would be released. They jokingly made bets. Or if it would end up a dud. Uh, none of them were ready for what they had built. The blinding flash of light and explosion that could be heard for hundreds of miles. Lots of people reported seeing a flash, but the government had already planned for this. Uh, they had put out a newspaper article in advance talking about an ammunitions building exploding. So at the end of the day, I think the people were kind of coerced to believe, okay, I guess that must be it. Guess me what that was. But the sound was heard for hundreds of miles. So was the light. It was like a blinding flash of light. Do you think we're as on top of it as we were with our misinformation campaigns? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. But again, it, uh, when you think about the time as well, that was where you got a majority of your news was the newspaper. But what we else were are you going to believe? On top of it, the amount of stories that come out that cover ups that I'm just interested to know what we'll look back on in 20 years and go, oh, wow. That's true. Um, in the years since its outset, the aims for the Manhattan Project had changed drastically. No longer was the goal for the project to race Germany to build a bomb. It had now been clear that Germany had no idea it was in a race. Instead, the U.S. government's sights had turned to Japan. Soon after the Trinity test, two atomic bombs, a uranium bomb called Little Boy, and a plutonium bomb called Fat Man were assembled on uh, Tinian Island in the South Pacific. This might be where you're talking Wait, about Wait, I'm so tests. sorry. I said some ignorant stuff. Uh, about 20 minutes, 10 minutes ago saying that it wasn't used. I'm, I'm so dumb. Sorry. Continue though. No, you're good. Uh, and the bombers began conducting test flights to Japan. Um, yeah, I, I'm so ignorant. My whole, there was a blank part of my no, mind right. when I started talking about that. The implication is real. The moral, uh, the moral, uh, thing that they throw on everyone who's involved does become real. I'm so sorry. I thought for some reason I thought, I had something different in my mind with the story. So, sorry, continue what you're no, saying. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I just want to clear so, that up before I get jumped on. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. So, they got word in test, when they were testing the atom bomb that a plutonium might be better chemical compound for the gun, uh, for the bomb itself. Uh, so, they built new facilities and worked on both. For the plutonium bomb, they had to surround the chemical in, in gas and ignite that gas evenly all the way around it to put evenly pressure on the plutonium to push it like so much pressure in that it exploded. That's how they got the reaction from the plutonium. Yeah. Uh, again, very crazy that we still know that, that we know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they had to work on a whole new challenge that they've never done in the four, 30s and 40s. You're talking about instead of making a bomb explode out, they had to find a way to put it an explosion in hmm. to make this work. Um, so that took a long time. So weeks after the explosion of the gadget, two atom bombs were dropped in Japan. That's on August 6th, 1945. Yeah. Little boy was dropped in Hiroshima. Um, just three days later on August 9th, Batman man was dropped on Nagasaki around 110,000 people died in the initial blast. According to the department of energy, <sighs> less than a week later, Japan surrendered to the Allied forces, igniting the end of World War II. Yeah. There's some And there's I some don't want to gloss over... There's some shit that gets in that where basically, I don't know, I, that it was already headed that way and that it was unnecessary. I mean, it, I it is unnecessary, in my opinion. The, the costs of those human lives are unfathomable. I There's no justification. War isn't a justification for any of it. No. And I, I don't want to gloss over that number because that is so many people. So yeah, many. I, yeah, that, yeah, fucks me up. Yeah. So. And again, it fucks, it fucks me up when I think of the real implications of it and that there are people that are, that survived that blast. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I can't even, even begin to put into words how horrible that must have been. 
um, no matter what the intentions were. I mean, the intentions were to kill people. I mean, I guess, um, but terrible, terrible shit. So the project at the end of the day ended up costing $2 billion. It's nothing. Uh, so in today's inflation, that's $23 billion in today's money. That's nothing. We're still about to nothing. put out a $2 trillion relief package. So I know. Exactly. Think about that. Um, the lasting effects of the Manhattan Project are undoubtedly greatly significant. The project had both positive and negative effects. The significance in the Manhattan Project was that it put an end to World War II by using weapons of mass destruction and forced Japan to surrender. The negative effects were the Manhattan Project was that it also gave other countries the opportunity to develop nuclear weapons that are more powerful, which could pose a threat on the well-being of every human being on the planet. Yeah. Um, the production of these bombs produced a furious push in the development of science, technology, engineering, military, and the whole of society into a new age. It brought out the powerhouse that we see today as the United States of America, a country prior to the beginning of the war, which was suffering from the Great Depression, and then after the war, coming out of it as a new superpower of the world. Yeah, we had um, not. We had. I think it was ranked um, like tenth, or uh, to be honest with you, we were pretty far back in the, the how we categorize military strength prior to World War Two. Oh, for sure. And that basically our whole system kicked into gear, a wartime oh, yeah. effort that like. Uh, was just unheard of and that's um obviously attributed to that as well that whole process and project so i right. yeah now the justification for whether it was morally correct and necessary to drop nuclear bombs on the two civiliz- civilian populations yeah has constantly caused debate even there's, to the there current is no day. debate duh, fuck that there's no there debate. is no debate fuck that regardless of the project itself is an amazing story of scientific and military development with impacts lasting to the current day. The dropping of the bomb forever changed the meaning of war for all citizens of the world. Yeah. So that's the Manhattan Project. Yep. Thank you for bringing in this information. There's a lot of good information I didn't know about. Um, uh, yeah. There's, the secret cities were interesting. Um, there's quite a few different points in there that you brought up that I just, um, I loved. So that was that was yeah. a good one, Jake. I would, I would recommend everybody like literally just look it up on youtube it's for free um there are uh the history documentaries on these things on it just watch a couple of them it is so enlightening and you get so much more details i couldn't even pack in all the details i wanted to about some of these facilities and how it went on it would have been like a two three hour podcast but if you're interested in this which i think this is a very interesting subject and how this all came to be because it changed the world um, I think you guys should look it up on your own and find these things because it's very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, but yeah, I would recommend I want to bookend this with one of the first questions that was asked or that we talked, discussed, which was um, the man who stopped a, se- a second, you know, basically the first nuclear um, world war. The man, do you remember okay. we, we mentioned? Yes. Um, his name was Stanislav uh, Petrov um, and he was wow. a lieutenant colonel. Uh, yeah. And basically, Colonel, yep. yeah, Colonel in 1983, and basically refused the system's process of retaliating if this alarm went off, and deemed that it was a false alarm rather than following protocol. And you talk about the the most difficult uh, decision in humanity on one man. That is literally like that's not even that's not even fake hyping up stakes. Like that is hyperbole. Literally, he yeah. decided. Between millions of lives. Yeah, he was born in 1939. Um, and basically, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so just thought I'd book in that whole uh, question with an answer. So, Right. And now, you know, countries around the world, as well as the main holders like Germany uh, and us, hold the most nukes ever. Yeah. Like just holding thousands of these things, um, which is scary. Mm-hmm. But that's the world we live in. And uh, it's just very, yeah, I think I found this really enlightening all around. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad I could do this today. Yep. I appreciate bringing it in. This was a good one. I hope you guys learned something if you were listening. Um, and if you didn't, 
that's okay. Maybe there's another podcast that <laughs> you can grab some information from. We have like 60 of them. Yeah. I'm sure you'll learn something. I promise. I pro- there's good stuff in there. Yeah. If you can overlook our casualness. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a bad joke. All right. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Um, this is Casual History. Make sure to find us on social media, Casual X History, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Discord. Um, anything else, Jake? I think that's it. All right, man. All right. We'll see you guys next week.